This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I'm Matt Bungard, and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Hey, everyone. I, I got to tell you, man, I am getting very close to being right back into the swing of footy stuff. I know the season doesn't start for mm. another couple of weeks or whatever, but for me, the trials pretty much is the start of the season again because work sort of gears up again. You get back to a regular season pace. So I think the, the first first one's on Thursday, and I'm pretty excited about it. I'm excited for the preseason challenge. What a they're, fucking sicko. They're not just trials for the players. <laughs> I did read a really, really terrible... Well, it wasn't a terrible explainer on NRL.com. It explained it what the preseason tell no, them they're terrible. It explained what the preseason challenge was, but I was just like, I can't even even though like I can't buy into the idea that, you know, oh, these trials actually mean something. You know, no, trials are for not. trials are for getting a look at individual players, blowing out the cobwebs, maybe talking to a few of the guys, getting some yarns. The results do not matter. Speaking of blowing out, Souths, big trouble. Crisis, some would say, after today's trial where they lost, I think, 68 to 6 to Manly. <laughs> the South squad had Tane, Milne, Braden Burns, Buddy Gordon, and like 14 men I've never heard of. And Manly had like multiple okay. internationals playing. This, this trial wasn't televised. And I'm I bad. think a lot of those South's players are like fictional characters. Mm. Did this game actually happen at all? Or, sure. or is it is it the is it the silver tails pulling one last power play trying yeah. to dream up some Luke Brooks hype? I, I read that South scored the first try through Adam Christensen, and I'm like, is that a real know. person? Who knows? Or is that is that a name that's been generated from a FIFA style? It could be. It could ultimate could very thing. much be. It could very much be. So and yeah, the I'm only not sure per, what the only there, the but... only journal that was there, friend of the show, Martin Journalism Gabor, and I know he's not of above. He's, he was. He's not above taking a few kickbacks. You know who that's who true. among us isn't? You know. Oh, Marty, a, a true uh, consumer of rugby league content. Like I would nobody say, else. I would say the consumer but of rugby league content. I would say, yeah, I would agree with that. I, as someone who cares way too much about this stuff and consumes an unhealthy amount of footy stuff, I look at Marty and I go, "Wow, that guy, that guy loves his footy. He loves it." Shout <laughs> out, Marty. I love. Shout out, Marty. I love, I love his you, passion. Man. I love his passion. I do too. He, I do he's too. A great bloke. But, an uh, endless, yeah. an endless reservoir of love for the game. Good on him. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Simi Redradra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Redradra. I know you've all missed that news drop. Um, we are going to keep powering through with our season previews, but there's a couple of stories that we thought couldn't wait for a couple of weeks to discuss. Starting off with the big one, Campo, that uh, Joey Manu is going to be leaving the Roosters to pursue a career in French rugby. What do you make of this? Yeah, this is interesting in a couple of different facets. There's been nothing official yet to come out of the Roosters. And there's been nothing official from any French rugby club either, which makes me think that this is probably going to be a short-term thing. Cause if you'll remember the roosters were trying to pull off the old Benji Marshall play of having Manu play a little bit of rugby in Japan or France, or I think it was mainly going to be Japan. You can do that in the footy off season, come back to the NRL in, uh, I think it's in April. And then you get a nice big top up without having to pay him 
more money. It's a scam a lot of clubs have tried to pull over the years. It's never really worked and it should never be allowed to work. But it wouldn't surprise me if this is something like that, where he goes for a year and then comes back and re-signs with the Roosters. Even if he does leave, I think we'll see him back sooner rather than later. I think mm. this is a short-term uh, this is a short-term money move rather than a permanent thing, you know? I did laugh. I saw a Roosters fan on Twitter say that, that it was, this was the second time they're going to lose like a generational Kiwi talent to accommodate an aging Italian fullback for one season too many. And it, <laughs> I know that you are the, still the captain and the leader of Tedesco Island, but I just thought that that comparison was very funny. I can understand why, why a Roosters fan might be upset about it, but also... The idea of the club moving on Tedesco to let Manu play fullback is it was it was never going to happen. Mm. It was never going to happen in a million years. Even if Teddy isn't going to be what he was, even if he's on the back nine of his career, he's the he's the best player on two premiership teams. He's the club captain. He's the best fullback the club has ever had in its entire history. They're not gonna they're not gonna pun him like that. They're not gonna do him like that. Like and the Roosters guys can be out there saying we play for premierships and all that sort of deal. We make all these sorts of ruthless decisions all the time. It's like, no, you don't. Nobody does this. Nobody yeah. does this. Because if you did do this, you would get a lot of other players offside because they would see someone like Teddy who's done so much for that club. Him getting a ball like that, it goes, also, yeah, it goes down wrong. It goes down badly with players because they're like, well, yeah. if they can do that to him, we can imagine, what they can, imagine what they can do well, uh, to me. And also, it, it, this isn't like an aging Greg Inglis or Anthony Watmo or, or pick whichever aging player who was very clearly done. This is still a guy that played pretty good footy last year. This is not like James Tedesco is completely finished. I think he's still got a lot to offer the Roosters this year, and we'll see plenty of him in 2024. And we're going to see plenty of Luke Keery in 2025 as well because they've extended him for an extra year also. This one, I thought, a little bit more surprising. This is this is a guy I thought has really kind of slowed down the last couple of years. I know the injuries and the concussion stuff has maybe not caught up with him, but certainly starting to take its toll. And I, I was a little bit shocked to see that this 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 announcement and this get done uh, already. This was probably a little... Yeah, I'm with you. This was a bit more surprising if there was a spot for Manu in that in the in that Roosters team that's not in the centers 5-8 probably would have been it I do think Kiri has had a he's, I don't know why but he got a bit of a bum rap last year I thought he started the season not at his best and when he was playing halfback he wasn't doing great because he's never really been a halfback then I thought in the back half of the season he did really really well so it, the succession plan with Manu has always been like a really hot topic because everyone seems convinced that he's going to be unbelievable at fullback or five, eight. I have my doubts a little bit because I think while he's a great runner of the footy and I like the idea of him getting the ball all across the park in different circumstances, I do think his distribute his distribution really needs a lot of work. Um, and I wonder if the roosters maybe share that concern a little bit and maybe that mm. played into the decision-making with Kiri. Um, but I, I was, I was, I was, I was, not surprised to see them keep him around because I think that he's someone that the club has big plans for post footy as well. Really but, smart guy, really well spoken. Yeah, yeah, really well but, liked. I, yeah, I, 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 maybe, maybe this was a, maybe this was a thing where they knew Manu was gone, so then they picked mm. up Kiri again. Perhaps. And then if, and if, if the character play five eight wasn't enough for Manu to stay, then you know, I don't know, what are we doing here? It's what are moving, we doing here? A lot of moving pieces. Um, and, and a piece that will be moving back to England at the end of this season is Tom Burgess, reducing the number of rabbitos 
from that re- remaining at the club from that 2014 grand final team from two down to one. It, we're getting old, which was my main takeaway from this. But my secondary takeaway was what a great career he's had in the NRL. And, you know, one more good season in the tank and, and you, you really got to start to evaluate where he, where he ranks in the in the pantheon of Burgi for the Rabbitohs, Tom. Because, you know, I, I think George probably at his absolute peak was the best of the three. I think his 2014 season, especially really? in that grand final, at his absolute, absolute you think, Really? Peak, you like, think George's at his peak was higher than Sam's? At his absolute peak, oh, yes. I don't know about that. Dude, I disagree with that. There one. was a, Well, that's fine, but... I mean, whereas obviously Sam had the best career by a mile and his his peak was probably as like just shy of George's, in my opinion. And his, you know, his baseline was super duper high. This, that was a fantastic player for life. But now Tom's been there for what? Uh, 10, 10 seasons, 11 seasons. And he's he's never really put a foot wrong. He's always performed pretty well. And this is the end of it. Now Alex Johnson's the last man standing from the 2014 grand final tip. Was it Tom Burgess that ripped the road sign out of the road? That was George. That was George. That, that was George. George. Yeah, it does. That does seem more like George of MO. Mm. Yeah, Tom. Um, he was the 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 slow the latest starter of the of the four brothers. I mm. remember, like he was super young when they won that. Tw- like I know George was the same age because they're twins, obviously. But in terms of his career, <laughs> he was a lot less experienced than 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 George was. He was sort of the 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 slowest to develop, mm. but he's ended up giving the club the the longest run of service. And while I still think Sam was the best, there was a lot of baggage that came with Sam at times. And while I agree with you that, you know, George had a really high ceiling and I thought he was the best player on the field in that 2014 grand final, the rise was fast and the time at the top was pretty short. And then the yeah. crash was pretty hard. And Tom's probably never hit that height that George has, but he's just been super steady, super consistent, for such a long time. Now, I think if he plays like every game this season, he's going to end up being what the third most capped Rabbitoh ever, which is a serious achievement. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Cause as you said, he, he of course started his career in the super league, played two seasons in Bradford before coming over. Whereas George debuted in, in top light footy with the bunnies in 2012. So yeah, he, he debuted a little bit later than his brother, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a great few years. He's, he's given us, a lot of great moments. I mean, that 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 extra time try against the West Tigers. Is, oh, amazing! Oh my god! And like, is that yeah, your, is that your, is that your number one Tom Burgess Tom Bur- moment? Tom Bur- I Tom think Burgess, so. Yeah. It's, it's the one that immediately springs to mind. There's that, and then of course when all four brothers took hit ups in the same set in that game against the Tigers, um, which was also super cool. But yeah, it's just a, it's a it's a watershed moment for the club. There hasn't been, they haven't been without a Burgess since 2011, right? So yeah. Uh, well, in, no, since, since well, 2010, I think 2009. When did Sam get there? Sam got there 2010, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, I just looked, I just changed. Yeah, just pulled it up. Yeah, so haven't been without a Burgi since 2009. They're Burgless. There you go. They're going to be Burgless, Nick. Vale. Yeah, but uh, yeah, a, a great career as a rabbit. Hopefully they can send him out on top. I do have one other tiny little bit of news. You know how you and I have been agitating and, and, and sort of uh, grandstanding for this new era of getting player comps that aren't like a mortal level guys. Yes. And I think I know what you're about to so bring Lachlan up. Lachlan Hancock, friend of the show, tagged the Boom Rookies account in this. Benji Marshall said, Lock- Lockie Galvin reminds him of a young Scott Hill. And I when, loved it. When I heard that, I started cooing like a pigeon. <laughs> like just, ooh. You know, like, yeah. I, lo- I loved Scotty Hill. Scotty Hill. Oh, mate, was, Scotty Hill was a fantastic Scotty player. Hill, a class act. And the kids today don't know enough about Scotty Hill. And it's a, only someone of like Benji's age would make that comparison because when he came into the league, Scott Hill was still 
one of the big dogs. I was mm. out at West the other day and I saw this Lockie Gowan and he is a big unit. You know who else a is a large big unit? Lad. Scott Hill. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. So, yeah, maybe Benji's a listener. I can only assume so. He probably heard the all Benji podcast we did before the 21 grand final. has been hooked ever since. One, one of my favorite episodes ever. A, a great episode of the show. Um, someone who boycotted that episode is our next guest because the storm had been bundled out. Uh, in embarrassing fashion the previous week in the prelim finals. But joining us to talk all things Melbourne, M. Sprouster, welcome. Hello. Did you, oh, seriously, did you seriously boycott that episode? I don't remember doing that. <laughs> no, no, but it of, sounds, course, of course But can I didn't. just say, it sounds like something I would do. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, boycotting the one grand final Melbourne's not in does seem kind of on brand. So, but I mean, Bertrand, it's been a minute now. Bertrand, but you have to remember it had been 12 whole months since they'd That's won a grand true. final. It was, That's true. It was a long it time between drinks. Uh, they've, they've not been they've not been back since though. Th- Clubbing thoughts crisis, and prayers. Thoughts and prayers for a difficult time for yeah. all Storm fans, please. Mm. I you know I I know everyone cares very deeply about my my health and well being. So mm. obviously, well, you... <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody, myself included, uh, is looking forward to me having more success personally this year. Well, well, I, mean... I, w- I did. I did. Let's let's start with that. How depressed were you by Melbourne only making the prelim last year? Mm-hmm. Like, how hard was that for you? It's weird, right? Because um, I'm trying to prepare for like a post Bellamy world mm. where Melbourne aren't this juggernaut of success. Even when they're shit, they still somehow do it kind of thing. And I've been trying to make my peace with that for quite a long time, um, except it's quite hard to accept that you're not, it's not going to happen anymore when it keeps fucking happening. And so I'm like, yeah, okay, um, maybe I need to just enjoy footy on a, on a bigger kind of scale. Maybe I need to just like enjoy going down to Suncorp and seeing whoever plays there, you know, and, and just enjoying that kind of aspect of footy because I'm not going to be able to dunk on dudes for much longer. And then I continue to dunk on dudes. So, you mm. know, life's, life's pretty good even yeah. when you are people uh, having the worst season ever you are so so brave braver than the troops man people might think people might like new listeners might think that some of this is performative i promise you it's not she genuinely talks like this this is this is what supporting the melbourne storm does to a human being they haven't been to a grand final since 2020 and you would think that they're like the West Magpie is about to be kicked out of the comp. I mean, like, I know, yeah. I know on some sort of rational level, it's not like that, right? Like, um, I, I see guys, you know, who have had difficult years being fans, right? And I listen to the other, um, other guests come on and talk about their seasons and whatever. Like I even listened to the, the Canberra one, you know, where, where the guys are talking about how, you know, um, they make it to the finals and they can never quite go the next step further. And they, you know, and, that, and it is difficult, right? Because you feel like you've had some level of success and then you can't realize it any further. And it's difficult to kind of make peace with the fact that you were good, but not great kind of thing. And I do, I get that, right? But I think if I came on here and I said things like, oh, like, you know, Melbourne's not going to be that good this year and, you mm. know, and blah, blah, blah. You, you don't fucking. I you would not like it. that. What would you, what, you if you do, what if you did the show in that voice? <laughs> yes. Sounding yes. like a sounding like a cartoon dog <laughs> with the floppy jowl. I know. What's that know. dog called? I can't remember. But um, um are you courage, the no, cowardly no. dog. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Like old school. Old school. I can't yeah, remember. Anyway, what, not important. What, yeah. It's just. It's not. It's not worth anyone listening to it for me to no. pretend like life is difficult. Also, I, I don't think you'd believe it. No, of course not. 
Um, I understand the incredibly privileged position mm. I've been in, but like I said, I think the very, very, very first time I came on the show, right? Like uh, the team is good. It can always be better. My position as a as a fan and a lover of the sport is to want to see the coolest shit ever all the time and see the best stuff I can possibly see from my team. So yeah, mm. when we finish third or fourth in a in a season and we are 80 minutes from a grand final, which any other team would be stoked about, but that 80 minute performance was atrocious and I was really unhappy about it, then there's no like I'm not happy. You know, and there's no sugarcoating that. And I don't hmm. think it's worth sitting here for an hour chatting about, you know, how nice it was because it wasn't nice. It was a difficult. I, I agree with, you've, you've I agree with on, most yeah, of what you said, on. but I'm going to yeah. push back on uh, there, there are some other people who also have got sick of being 80 minutes from a grand final. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You, you <laughs> I said, I, said on... that I breathed right through that without even thinking about you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you hit on something that I think is really relevant there and where even though the Storm did make the preliminary final last year, even though they did finish third, I felt like they were so off the pace compared to the Broncos and the Panthers yep. that I don't I, – I, I feel like that's not a true that's not a true representation of the ability of this team. I've said a few times, I think last year there was a bit of a dearth of quality and consistency across the league. The Panthers were really good. The Panthers were great. The Broncos were great. And then it was kind of a mess after that. And the Storm managed to rise to third because they had a very, a very high floor, but then that came with quite a low ceiling. And in those cool. two finals losses to Penrith and Brisbane, that was made really apparent. And even the yeah. finals win was over a Roosters team that like, quite frankly, were flat out getting a team on the field by that yeah, point. Yeah. And they nearly got done. Like, Yeah. Well, like you said, it's like, it was such a mess in that mid pack there, right? From like third all the way down to eighth. Yeah. That Melbourne had enough experience from finals and all of that to navigate through that crap without you know, losing too much along the way. They, they managed to rise to the top of that, but there was such a significant gap to the two above us that, you know, I knew we weren't going any further. I I did think it was a bit of a miracle that we dragged ourselves to a prelim. Like um, I could sort of tell when we played the Broncos in the first week, just how far off the pace we were. Mm. Like I know like the two Broncos games back to back were two, you know, back to front results kind of thing, but I, it was, it was just a bit of a mess and I, I, I kind of knew it was coming kind of thing. So I'd made my peace with that. And we joke about, you know, jumping on the Broncos bandwagon and all of that. But I will I will say, like... Are we joking? Uh, Am I joking me... when I say you're a Sharks fan? Um, no, I don't think so. I think well, it's like, go. yeah, There's I think it's like of, of the same ilk, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I just enjoyed... Towards the end of the year, I sort of made my peace with Melbourne, you know, not winning. Mm. And therefore, in, in my eyes, and people are going to hate this, but if it's not winning, it's losing. So yeah. I made my peace right, with Ricky Bobby. that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I made my peace with that and I found joy in other aspects of rugby league that I probably haven't watched for a really long time, being like other teams and and fun up-and-comers and some, you know, just other things that I sort of got into a bubble of watching Melbourne for so long that I was not prioritising. Like I yeah. came on here I came on here on other shows and I was like, I never watched West Tigers games or whatever. I watched a lot of West Tigers games last year. Why? You know, like I, I, I didn't. Why I didn't, would you do I that didn't, to yourself? I do, I, do I do it because it's my job. Like, yeah. they're, they're, you don't have to. They're fun. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. But, but, I can tell you what chaos, I knew what was going to happen last them, year, man. Yeah. The chaos. <laughs> what about that fateful night care? we went to Leichhardt Oval, mate? They scored 700 points. You didn't yeah, see that, that coming. Yeah. But what about, see, every, what about every other game? Yeah. yeah. I do think, I do think there's something to be said with obsessive fan um, 
you know, uh, delusion where you only, you get so locked in into yeah. your own little world of watching your team that you can't see the wood for the trees a little bit. Mm. So I do like that I have a little bit of a wider perspective when it comes to that. And that's why, you know, for example, watching the Broncos last year was so much fun. And I imagine it's going to be a lot of fun this year as well. Um, because I was given an opportunity by being in Queensland to do that, then I can take advantage of that when I'm not finding joy in other aspects of my team. That's basically Yeah, that's fair. My, my thing with Melbourne is... That like I, I think that if there was no finals and it was we had like a premiership system like like soccer has or whatever like they would always be a good bet to like be there or thereabouts the end of the season because they're so consistent and their floor is so high. Mm-hmm. My concern is that like kind of the box we painted Melbourne into for most of last year was like they'll make the finals, but then after that, I think they're probably facing an uphill battle if they if they face a team that can go to another gear as they did twice and got you know smacked around a bit twice, and they haven't really done anything to the squad that's going to maybe change yeah. my perception of that. Like, I think the regular season is again going to just be, you know, a pretty much a cakewalk for Melbourne. I think that the, I'll do my prediction at the end, but I think they'll be comfortably, you know, in and, in and around the, the, the top of the heap, but they, they, they've not, but Sean not go Ball. any further. It's well, the that's same, the thing. It's like, unless, same, yeah, unless yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. the big, the big question mark to me and, and really the, the only like credible case you can make for them, like being able to get back to where they want to be. And that's at the head of the table is like, if Ryan Pappenhausen can be the guy that he was like, and I think that that's such a huge question mark going into this year because they need that X factor. They need a guy that can create something out of nothing. They need a guy that's capable of turning a game on its head because yeah. they just really didn't have that, that guy for long stretches. Even when he came back, he still looked a bit undercooked and like, well, yeah, I, I just I, hope that he can be that guy that we, we loved watching in seasons past again, but yeah, I, I don't know if we're going to get it. I do I think, think I, I, go on, go on. Him. Oh, I was just going to say, I do think it's a bit of a, um, a funny kind of situation right like um we criticize teams like melbourne for not having a particularly strong you know forward pack or outside mm. backs or, or whatever right or like the wing class is quite poor or something like that you know like there's weaknesses in every team because of the nature of the sport and the way that the money is divided but um and I, I look at it and I think, yeah, Melbourne probably haven't made any key signings this offseason to improve the position. And so therefore the result will likely be quite similar this year, right? Like I'm, I'm quite pragmatic about that. But at the same time, I think a lot of those players who ended up contributing to those great Melbourne teams were essentially nobodies, right? So at some point they do have to start with low expectations and it's the hope that, you know, the team and the system in place will help exceed those expectations, which is where the potential for Melbourne comes into place, as opposed to looking at a team sheet and going, that's a shit hot team, that's untouchable. Because I just don't think that's ever going to be Melbourne for the foreseeable future, um, nor I don't know if it will ever necessarily be Melbourne again. You know, I think it, it might be just a relic of the past to have said, you've got, you know, 11 of the best 30 players and they're all playing for one team. Like, I just don't know whether that's necessarily going to be the case for Melbourne anymore. So, you know, not to say anything about Pappenhausen, which is where I think we're going next with this, but I will say, like, I do think it's funny sometimes when we're, like, dissecting a team squad when we know that Melbourne have the potential to potentially drag some of these out of these players to help and hindrance, right? So, like, sometimes we rely on it way too much, but sometimes it does come off. And if it comes off next year, then we're unstoppable. And that's always the die that you roll with Melbourne. Guys, I actually disagree with you both. I think, oh, I, 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 no, I don't know how this has happened. I don't know how I have been painted into the corner of Melbourne Storm Booster, but oh, I no. am. I, I, think, I think this is a team that can win the premiership. I really do. And I oh, know you're just, you're just being no, nice to dead me. Set. No, no, dead <laughs> set. When am I ever nice to you? Dead oh, set. Yeah, the moment, yeah. I know that they haven't made a heap of 
a heap of outside buys. I think Sean, Sean Bloor is the only recruit of note that they've made. And we can talk about him a little bit later, but I think the scope for improvement for some of their best players is huge. I thought Cam Munster had by his standards, a, a pretty poor year last year. And he admits that himself. There was a really good article that Christian Nicolucci wrote in the Sydney morning Herald last week. And he gave, he, he was talking to Munster about his season last year and he tried to give him an out. And he sort of said like, how bad was the knee injury you were dealing with? And Munster said, yep, the knee was actually pretty fine. It was just all in my head. I just couldn't get my stuff together for whatever reason. And it's not like he was playing up. He just sort of said, I just couldn't, couldn't get it right. And it just I don't wasn't, know why. It, yeah. It just wasn't cruising for him. I think like yeah. it had in the past. Right. And I think Harry Grant was the same. I thought he had a good season, but I thought According to his standards, it probably wasn't as strong. I thought his performances mm. in big games were really quite poor. I think the the main one for those two is because they're on the World Cup uh, tour at the end of 2022. They didn't yep. get much of a preseason in. It was a long World Cup. They both played a lot of footy, and that just sort of put them at a disadvantage. But I'm expecting huge improvements from those two. I'm expecting huge improvements from Nelson aside for Solomona as well. I think he's not hit a crossroads in his career, but... I, I, I think him and Craig Bellamy probably had some very tough conversations over the summer about the sort of player Nelson wants to be because I, I thought by the end of last year, he was not performing anywhere near what he's capable of. He was not mm. he was not the bench wrecking ball and he was not the consistent minute person either. And the comments that Bellamy made after the preliminary final talking about Nelson and sort of what he was giving were pretty enlightening. I think Bellamy was really pissed off at him because he wasn't playing as well. He's another one who had the World Cup tour at the end of the previous season. And then there's guys like Xavier Coates, who did so well over the back half of last season, really turned into the sort of player that we thought he was going to be when he got to Melbourne. You know, it's you like he screwed his hands back in. It was wild. Like he, it's mm. like he figured but, out that he's six foot six and faster than everyone else. Bro, bro you what know? did he just catch? Like, what did you know that episode of Futurama where Fry gets the devil's hands? Did Xavier Coates do something <laughs> like that? Oh, very, very good. And does he get a smaller silver fiddle if he's the top <laughs> yeah, try scorer? Exactly. Yes. But like the the emergence of Will Warbrick as well, like his he improvement over the season, like when he first got into the team, he was just a catch and fall guy, but then he became a really good yardage guy. By the end of the season, he's making some great plays on both sides of the ball. You know, yeah. um, I thought Jerome Hughes was the exception in their spine troubles last year. I thought he had his best year in first grade. He had um, the most try assists he's ever had in his career, the most line break assists he's ever had in his career. He built a really good rapport with Eli Katoa, who I thought was great when he played. He just had that weird eye thing that kept mm. him out for so long. Mm. And we can talk a bit more, a bit, bit about Bloor later, but if he comes and starts on the edge, Trent Loyero goes to the middle. That gives them a bit more size. That gives them a bit more bit more strength in the middle of the field, which is something they need. And I think yeah. they'll get that from Christian Welch as well, who mm. did his knee two years ago. And according to injury shaman, Brian Sini of NRL physio, the year after the comeback from the ACL is the year where you really start to see those sorts of results again. So I'm expecting a big bounce back season from Welch. That'll go a long way to strengthening them in the middle of the field. I think this is a Melbourne team that's internally has a lot to prove to themselves yeah. And with a tremendous scope for improvement for some of their best players from last year. So wow. I don't think they're going to have to rely on the lesser lights and the rough diamonds in that. I think it's time for, for the big money lads to start playing some big, big money, money games, lads. you know? Yeah. 
I mean, I think my default position with those guys is to always be more sympathetic to them because I know what they're capable of. But you are right. Like, Munster didn't have a great season. He still had a, a, a good season in comparison to pretty much everybody else. But in comparison to what he is, well, his ceiling is yeah, so high. Yeah, you his know? Like he was, benchmark. It's, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to say he was bad last year, but compared nah. like to what we know he can do, I didn't think he really got close to it. Yeah, and I do agree with you that I think Hughes had the the season out of anyone on the team, right? But it, it, it's one person can't drag you all the way there yourself, you mm. know. So, so I think what I mean when I I'm like I'm I'm trying one I don't I don't want to come out and say like we're going to win the grand final because I I want to see it a little bit first. I'm like notoriously like a bit anti preseason predictions, um, just because who knows what will happen kind of thing. You, you haven't been swept up in the romance of the preseason challenge? I, mm. No, unfortunately not. Oh, breaks um, my heart. Yeah, yeah, maybe next year uh, <laughs> when I have to watch more West Tigers games. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. I, <laughs> um, what I'm just getting at is, is like I don't want to overhype them too much because I do want them to shine and I do want the diamonds to, you know, actually appear. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be totally surprised if not every positional move or signing or structure ends up being the best thing ever though like I think sometimes you know like uh I get that Liero will be better in the middle than he was on the edge but god damn he was trash on the edge he was I know he was bad holy shit it really hurt and like and 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 Ellie played well when he played and then sometimes he didn't play and then when he came back he took a few weeks to kind of get back into the swing of things and then you know I just didn't I expected, maybe I expected a little bit too much from him. So I'm just trying to temper my expectations a little bit, you know, and um, and I think that also then plays off onto those big names as well. Like uh, I can have a middling expectation of someone like Harry Grant and he's still going to be pretty great every week, you know. If he hits that higher level, I'm going to be stoked, right, and dancing all over everybody's graves. But I don't necessarily want to put myself there <laughs> yet. That's all I'm saying. So you're not dancing on the graves yet, but you've got your you've got, magic. Your, you got your tap shoes on and you're outside oh, the cemetery. I'm, 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 I'm lacing at the moment, you're right? And it, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm arming and ironing, but, you know, come magic round, it's going to take one snide comment from Simon and I'm just going to be on, you know. Mm. Talked I'm a bit sure. about Pappenhausen and you yeah. talked a lot um, about expectations. What are your expectations for him this year? And what do you think it is fair to expect from him this year? Well, I think I think the biggest question for Melbourne, right? Like, um, luckily there aren't too many questions this year, but I think the biggest one is who is playing fullback and who will be who will turn into the incumbent kind of thing, and who will really cement that as their position. Because Melbourne basically have three ways of playing this, right? They can back Pappy, give him the opportunity to potentially return to what he was, and that's obviously goal number one. But what is the contingency? And it's either Sua or sticking with McMeany, um, which I think is probably the most conservative of the three options if you were to like rank them from riskiest to most conservative mm. um i would actually like to see sua have the opportunity um i think he's a superstar like i think i think what's going to happen is they're going to play perhaps at fullback and they're going to play sua on the wing but i would love to see sua have that you know a real go at it especially if pappenhausen gets a certain number of weeks and doesn't quite look right um and then it becomes that really difficult kind of balance between when do you cut the guy? How do you ceremoniously do that? How do you say to him you need a couple of weeks in Reggie's without breaking his ego and his spirit, you know, and all of those things? Because obviously that contributes to an athlete as well. I'm terrified for Pappenhausen is the answer. I am so scared that he just cannot bounce mm. back again because I was at Suncorp when he broke his ankle, 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 yeah. lower leg, uh, and 
like I was I was standing next to Mitch and I was practically crying like I was mm. I was really really torn up and I I don't get too emotional at the footy right and I was I was really cut up for the guy like I, I really it hit me right in the middle and it mm. really really hurt and I just can't if it were me in that position and I'd been through two kind of like catastrophic injuries like that I don't know how I would pick myself and dust myself up for a third time but I'm not the professional athlete so you know it's up to him I I I want every success for him I don't know if it's there anymore I think that he is such a universally liked guy and I think that devastation that you felt was shared by everyone around the the whole sport really when when that injury happened last probably the only time anyone's had a you know an inch of remorse or sorrow for melbourne right yeah like you're probably right like genuinely probably but it it honestly did have a bit of not to the same extent but like the 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 sort of like the 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 reverence that people were treating with it the only it kind of reminded me of when it happened to gerald yagi where kind of everyone watching was kind of like oh shit but we we don't want to see this like this is bad and thankfully, it hasn't ended his career like it did Jarrell Yao Yee's. But when you're a player who's so reliant, I know he's got other attributes, but when he's, you, your, your primary attribute is just your lightning acceleration and your top speed and just the way you move around the field, two successive and different lower body injuries can really, can mm. really hamper that going forward. And I think that there's a large chance, as you touched on, that we just never see that electrifying force that young Ryan Pappenhausen was again. And maybe he can adjust and become a completely different player in his career, but that's going to take time. Like that's going to take years. That's not going to take months. And that's certainly, if that is the case with him, then you're right in that Melbourne needs to go another direction with that number one position going forward. And whether that's through the safe option of Nick Meany or the electrifying option of Sua Falonga. I mean, we saw him in that one game last year and he looked unbelievable. The two-time Cooper Cronk Feeder Player of the Year Award winner for the Melbourne Storm. Uh, Not a bad medal to win. And a guy that, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see more of this year. I just think, uh, you know, it it, it becomes a question of how long can Melbourne take the risk for basically mm. it just becomes a game of uh risk appetite for melbourne is how long can we sit there and see how long he takes you know and, and it could be he might need like he might have one week warming into it and second week he's right back there you know and that would be like my favorite thing in the whole wide world but if i take the emotion out of it and i look at it from a little bit more of a you know honest and realistic point of view which is the guy has had two what could be career ending injuries that he's attempting to bounce back from? Can he do it for a third time? Statistics sort of say that he won't be as good as he was, right? So it becomes how long can Melbourne tolerate the level or, or find the level that he might reach and then find out whether it's good enough or not? And is Sua the better option for Melbourne at the back at that stage? And uh, it's not my call. Obviously, Bellamy's the master coach and I leave it in his incredibly capable hands, but. And then, God, honestly, as an aside, thank God we have him because if anybody else had to make that decision, I don't know if I'd necessarily trust it. But, um, yeah, it just becomes a risk appetite question for Melbourne is how long can they sit and wait, you know, to see whether he comes good or not. I think the way to approach it is this might sound harsh, but you have to expect that Pappenhausen isn't ever going to get back to what he was. If he does get back there, then that's an incredible bonus. I think it's important to put a realistic realistic expectations on him. Like for this season, if he can play as well as Nick Meany did last season, then I would count that as a, as a pretty solid result, you know? I probably would too, but that doesn't get us to. A, a no, it doesn't. 
It probably, no, I gets to a, it probably gets us to week two or week three, right? But it doesn't get us any further. I like, understand We really that. do need that. the explosive fullback. And and if if uh, NRL was a bigger sport, if the NRL was anything like the NFL or whatever, like the guy would probably already be cut, you know? Like I think, I think you know, if there was a database of players that they could reach for that, you know, could take his spot, he'd probably already be gone. But I think he obviously bought himself a lot of, you know, time based on his incredible results from 2020. But that was now coming into like four seasons ago so yeah how long how long do we persist that's and, and a, based that's, on we like the guy versus he's actually going to perform that's a good point that you make a, a somebody from the storm i can't remember which player was giving an interview this week was saying how good happenhausen was looking and he said oh, i mean oh, they're he, gonna say that no matter what though no, right no i know that i know that but the interesting part is he said yeah he's bouncing around he looks like 2020 pappenhausen again because the thing that we all sort of overlook is that he missed a good chunk of 2021 as well with those, yeah. with that shock and concussion that he got at Magic Round when Fui Mayono took his head off. So yeah. now that's three, yeah. that's three full seasons where he hasn't played mm. a whole lot of footy. It's a long, it's a long time to be away. It's a long time, and the it's game, a long time to be the away. The game has moved. You know, the game is constantly in flux, and the and and the rule adaptations and the way that the players. Well, the game's not played in slow motion. Uh, absolutely, you know, and and he can't disappear. You know, Ball, ball in motion and 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 big you know big guy you know little guy blah 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 like I don't I can't even keep up the facade but I mm. I will say the game is a different version of the game to what was played in 2020 already even in three seasons coming into four seasons right it, it was part of what um Cameron Smith said when he retired he was like I could probably physically keep going but he said um something along the lines of I feel like the game is moving to a different place and it's not the game I want to play anymore kind of thing or mm. it's not the game I'm going to be best at kind of thing so therefore I don't want to do it and I, game, I think, the game just doesn't speak to him anymore yeah Perfect. yeah you know yeah <laughs> I can't even come up with some shit this isn't the yeah. game I grew up supporting when it was founded <laughs> uh, in 1908 is what he said somebody think of the children and the women <laughs> yeah. um uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah so I, Pat, do, Pat, I do I do think the game has changed Melbourne, therefore, Melbourne um, got their first trial on Thursday night Pappenhausen the city yeah. wants to play mm-hmm. and this is one of the, like a Trial form for teams is shit form, but for players, for individuals, you're going to learn a lot. Yeah. You know? And so, I don't think Melbourne's won a trial game in I don't know how long. It's never it's never really about Winning that, trial games but... overrated. Don't worry Oh, about totally, that. totally. Um, only really matters for the Dragons. So um, I hope And Manly, are. the defending preseason challenge uh, champions, I believe. Are they? Oh, I, forgot, I forgot they sure that are. they did. I totally okay. forgot they did the preseason challenge. You guys yeah. laughed about Canberra having the first week finals participants banners. Yes. That's yeah. better than a preseason challenge it champion. Is. What, about when, what about when the Tigers fans gave their uh, players a standing ovation after half a trial game? Brother, I was there and I applauded. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> of course you did. The sun, the sun was out. Our our dreams were still young. It was great. Oh, they were so young and full of hope. For if the I even ahead. look like doing that ever, ever, just put me out of my misery. Oh, that's that definitely is... fair. Um, <laughs> and we've talked about a lot of the, the the big names, but who's someone that people might not be super aware of if they're not big Melbourne Storm fans that you think is going to have a big impact on this season? Well, do you want to tell your fun name story here? I mean, I, would, I just love the name Amaron Gudgeon, but I don't imagine he'll be playing much of a part in, in, in the campaign ahead. No. The, the, um, mo- the, the most Harry Potter name in the NRL. I think it must be. I think it is. That's I the, think the, right. Yeah, Amar- Amaron yeah. Gudgeon has a shop in Diagon Alley. A hundred percent. Definitely does. Selling like knockoff ones or something like that. Um, no, I think um, if there was somebody I really wanted to 
potentially like lock up a spot, whether that be a bench spot or, you know, like a rotation in spot or a starting spot, it'd be Joe Chan. Like I would love to see. Joey Chan. One day. Joey. One, day one day we'll get Joey fucking Chan in this team. Oh my God. Oh my God. I what happened like... at the end of last year? What do you, what do you mean? Wasn't, Camper, didn't we briefly discuss on the show where like Joe Chan was like on the banner I, for like yeah, the players I've, that were leaving? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there because it was all players who were leaving, but then Jack Howarth and Joe Chan were also on there. But then they're both still at the club. They're both so still there. I don't well, know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what's going on there. But I mean, Jack Howarth is a funny one too. Like someone who should have essentially, based on how like badly Melbourne were limping towards the end of last year, should have probably walked into a spot. And for supposed. It's been a very you know, strange reasons, situation. Yeah. Like this guy that's contracted walk- until I believe 2038. That's the thing. Dude, Melbourne never handled so out. highly touted. Yeah, they don't, so right? Overpaid. And then when you had so many so injuries long. last year, yep. he was still just pottering around for East Tigers or Sunshine Coast Falcons or whoever it was. It was like, Sunshine Coast. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's um, it yeah, it, it's a bit of a funny one. Um, I can only think that it's a between the ears thing, and um, it's got something to do with how he thinks, how he behaves, or or something like that. That's not sitting right with the team. I hope to see him play because apparently, you know, he's really good. Like I, I saw a couple of Sunshine Coast games, which I don't think were a good indicator of what he's capable of. Um, you know, in by all accounts, he should be an excellent player. And uh, a lot of people are actually talking about him starting or, or being a rotation into the forward pack, but I yeah, would right. actually like to see him play centre um, if we are going to play him, just because centre was so weak for us last year. Mm. Um, and especially because we have you know, um, a little bit of like overfill in terms of wing. We probably now have three wingers we can probably pick from. And yet we're, we, we're kind of weak in that center position. It'd be really nice if we could put a big body there for a little bit. I think that would be quite fun. Um, and it would probably, if he, if he can get the attitude right and the, and the game style right, and he can, you know, have a pretty good season for a rookie. Um, I think that that would do what they were trying to do with Nelson a little bit, which was of mixed success, you know. I hated that. Um, Don't do that again, though. Yeah, I didn't like it. It, uh, I was thinking about it the other day. It was fun and risky and interesting, um, and that is not how I want my football team to be. <laughs> yeah, the, the Storm are not fun, do nor not, do they take risks. I don't <laughs> like it. I do they not grind like your it. bones and eat them. That's what that, they that's do. A very old, that's a very old stereotype, but part no, of it I'm still I'm sticking exists. with it because I know that part, you don't part like it. Part of it, it still exists in my soul, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, if, you yeah, grow up, if you grow up wanting something, you know, you love it all the way through. Like, if you play with trains with a kid when you're yeah, a kid, you probably yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm used to the grind, so only I can say. I've this. never really I understood. That. Like, I get, I get that a lot of it is like spillover from Origin because all the big Origin guys for Queensland also play mm. for the Storm. But I never really fully understood why people that support Sydney clubs hate the Storm to like the level that they hate like the Roosters or Penrith. I've never really got like the, the Storm just stopped teams I hated from winning comps all the time. No, but they won. But the Storm won all the time. Yeah, but like you don't like if you just go for like Souths or. Penrith or the Roosters or whoever, like you don't deal with many, if any, Storm fans in your day to day life. That's why I never yeah, really no understood. One, no one ever deals with any Storm fans. Like, how many yeah. do you actually know? Like, I'm not being a dick. From... Like, genuinely, apart from you, who we met online, like, I know, I think one Melbourne Storm fan that I like is from like the area that I grew up in. I know I one. Met, I met so... one. I met one in Sydney who was someone mm. that I met, you know, naturally kind of thing through friends of friends who yeah. I went to a house party with one time and he was like, oh, you like footy? Who do you go for? And I was like, Melbourne. He's like, no fucking way. Yeah, like, exactly. And that's a bit, you're like, whoa. Whereas if I met someone who whoa. went for South, I'd just be like, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah we yeah. fucking suck. 
uh, random random South jerseys at every party, I, you know. But... It's because they it's because they win all the time. They won a bunch of premierships. I, and do, I mean, some of them, some I mean, got I, take, some some got taken off them for cheating. This is not hard yeah, to understand. It, it, like, I mean, my point reason. was mainly rhetorical, Nicholas, but it was more that like I would rather the Storm win competitions than like Manly or the Roosters or the Bulldogs. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I like I used to joke, right? Is like you want the air thin at the top for a reason. If too many teams get a taste of success, there's just a lot yeah, of, there's true. a lot of, there's a lot of car profile pictures saying a lot of shit, you know? Yeah, so that's very true. if you, if you can keep the air thin towards the top of the, the mountain, then it's usually quite mm. good for the status quo. Um, yeah. I do think the Melbourne hate is twofold. One, Sydney hates Melbourne, Melbourne hates Sydney kind of relationship, mm. um, which is bigger than sport. I think it's just a cultural thing. That's fair. And, that's a fair point. And Two, I think it's the same thing that the Australian cricket team has still got the hangover of, which is you're all dirty, dirty cheats and we'll never see you any other way mm. kind of thing. No matter what, no matter how much that team changes, no matter how long goes on, right, those guys will carry, like people hate Warner because of that, you know, and it doesn't matter how much, you know, he r- repents, you know, it'll it'll always be the same. I think Melbourne are going to have that, you know, even though I don't even think though, Even though referee Smith's been retired for four years I was going to say, the only person still on the team from when that happened is Craig Bellamy. <laughs> like, so, like, it's not... Speaking of absolute car profile pictures, do you remember when they bought his wife a ring and people lost their goddamn minds? That was what fantastic. What the fuck do you care, though? Like, Who how gives shit? I could not have cared less about money. anything. Like, it was just so funny that they're like, oh, they've never done this for anyone else. It's like, yeah, because no one else has ever played 400 games. Like, what, yeah. what are you talking about? That's Anyway, uh, I have the Storm second. Oh, that's very mm. kind of you. Um, we haven't talked about him yet. I just want to talk about oh, yeah. Sean Bloor really yeah, briefly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, before we do I know that. I've gone on about him a lot on the show over the last 12 months. I am a big, big believer in his talent. I think Melbourne, when we talk about Melbourne getting guys from other clubs, bringing them in and giving them the sort of Melbourne polish, they have a better success record with doing that with back rowers than they do with any other position. Mm. You know, you think, think about um, the litany of great edge forwards that have, they've had over the years. From uh, you know, Ryan Hoffman to Felice Cafusi to Kenny Bromwich, guys leave, other blokes come in, fill the job. They make it really, really easy for them. If you're a player like Bloor, who's got a great pedigree, I think he's left the injury troubles behind. He's athletic, he's aggressive, he's everything the Storm didn't have in their yeah. edge forwards last year, and I think he's going to be a big, big success down there. I don't know if the, I don't know if that could have happened for him at the Tigers because I think he is someone who needed to be really, really coached up a little bit, but I think it's going to happen down here. I think Sean Bloor is going to be one of the underrated buyers of the season. And the idea of having Katoa on one edge, who's he's very skillful, a good passer, a good offloader, and then Bloor on the other edge, a great dynamic runner. That really, really appeals to me. I like the strike that gives, that gives him on both sides. Like I said before, I think this is a, I think this Melbourne team can win the competition. Um, I have them finishing fourth, which is a spot lower than last year but I think they'll be significantly better. I never really bought them as a title team last year. Mm. I do. Yeah. This year. You were, you were very critical. Like, right, rightfully, rightfully so. No, no, yeah. no. I Campo. Yeah. What I like about Campo is, is that, you know, um, he kind of tells it how it is when it comes to chatting with him about Melbourne. No, just when he and I chat about Melbourne, I always think you're, you're quite, you know, um, you can see through a lot of the shit, I think, which I always appreciate. So when last year when we were talking about, you know, how's perhaps looking, how's the team looking, whatever, and you were quite down on it, I I, I was too, you know, mm. like I, I think that definitely influenced me a lot. Um, I 
I'm cautiously optimistic about Bloor, which is what I say every year about new signings and whatever, because yes, you're right, the pedigree is there, the intent is there, the opportunity is there, but I was so disappointed with what the edges did for Melbourne last season that I'm very sceptical. I, I wonder if it's a, a coaching fault or something somewhere along the way for some reason why they couldn't pull him into line or whether, whether they were just kind of not very I good. Don't, I know? don't think it'll be hard for him to be an improvement on Leo. Okay. Well, then- I think, I think, I think <laughs> the... The, the the bar is pretty low, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and I am I am looking forward to you know somebody getting in there with like some new energy and instead of like necessarily coming up through the system, it's someone who's coming in and like maybe thinks the world of like what you know this coaching opportunity could be for him or whatever mm. and brings that kind of really positive energy. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. So I do I do really hope he goes well. Maybe that's why I watched so many West Tigers games last year, but um. I, I do I do hope like put it this way I hope as as we all do as football fans we always hope for the best possible result for our team as always like really I don't want to yeah well some sick fucks but um <laughs> I do I, I don't I don't think that we can necessarily win I do think that you know the Broncos and Penrith are still probably just a, a tad too strong for us and like star stars would have to align in a certain kind of way and the draw would have to fall and blah 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 for me to think that we're going to get there and when I start thinking like that that's not our own steam power pushing us there that's the winds taking us there and I'm not a confident person with that kind of stuff you know or I won't mm. bet on it let's just put it that way but okay. I mean we will Put it this way, we will get to a preliminary final um, because that's just the ground floor of where we should be, um, which everybody's going to fucking hate, but you just have to deal with it. I was going to say, I don't think you're making many friends with this one, man. Fine. It's not do what I, it's not, it's not what I come first, here to do. Second. Give us, give us a number. Let's go. Say first. No, no, no. We won't We won't finish first. I think, I think, I think third and or fourth, you know, they're right. probably saying points, third and fourth, and goal difference or, or four and against determines, you know. <laughs> Goal um, difference. Jesus, goal get, difference. Her, get her, get her, get her, off. Get her, get her out. Off season, and I am struggling. All right, you get um, uh, two two slots on the roulette wheel as well. Again, if this, I mean, oh, I'd rather sorry. it be you than the, the Roosters or the Bulldogs, but still, it would be okay. Melbourne Storm team of the show. Would be quite something. I'm going to reiterate my previous thoughts that I am extremely skeptical that if it actually landed on Melbourne, I'll do you it. Would follow, no, you would we, the through. wheel decides. The wheel decides. Free us from thought and responsibility. Exactly. Embrace um, the wheel. Does it only go up to 36? I know nothing oh, about roulette. God, <laughs> Come on, I gave you the thing with the numbers. <laughs> yeah, on that's it. what I'm saying. Did you crop some off the bottom or does it only go up to 36? No, it goes Why to Why would he crop some off the bottom? I don't know because it's Bungard and doesn't know how to use a computer. I... Yeah, no, famously, I that's I what I'm known for, I not being able to use computer. computers. That's me. God, get her out of here. I have, I've seen right. the, I've seen the socials. It Pick use... some numbers. Oh, sorry. Um, Let's go. Socials have been on fire, by the way. Let's go one because... Yeah. Why not? Uh, and let's go thirty-one. There you go. Fantastic. All right, M. Thank you so much for coming on. Anything to promote? Are you going to be in that uh, fake Olympics where they let everyone take steroids? Is this your return to the velodrome? Oh, you should absolutely do that. I eh? do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, no, I'm not going to be in that. It would be really nice, though. Like, I think uh, to, to get injected with a lot of steroids. To feel fantastic and win a million dollars. Yeah. 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 That's true. For, for They've not got it. Having- in they've got to, not having to work as hard. Like they've got it. to put some measures in for the cycling because I assume everyone in cycling is already on. All they are already all cheating. Yes, like so. Maybe, 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 except, maybe, except, maybe, except Cadell Evans. He didn't cheat. No, the, <laughs> not Cadell. Not Cadell. That, that bum that just Yeah, Cadell yeah. and Mizzy. They'd never do it. Yeah. They'd never do it. They'd everyone else. Every single one of the rest of them, especially Lloyd Landis. 
two different two different schools of thought trackies never cheat roadies always cheat that's the thought process right so anime is never M's cheat. a track cyclist for new listeners bike yeah. chat <laughs> bike chat bike chat. Uh, Sorry, too much bike, bike chat. chat um i yeah it would be really fun to see like they do one particular event um which is like uh like a flying 200 is what it's called and what they do is they they get a couple of laps around the top of the track to kind of build up speed and then they have a timed 200 meters which is basically from halfway in the first corner all the way to the finish line because the track is 250 meters long and they do this really cool thing where they use the banking to like slide down into the corner and the world record is like 9.1 I think at the moment or 9.2 seconds and that's like 70 k's an hour so um I would love to see somebody have a go at like breaking that I wouldn't want to see like actual like racing events like you know like like bunch racing events like first person to win kind of thing I think that would be quite mundane because I think interesting things can happen in that regardless of who's juiced up and who's not yeah so i think it's all about the timed events you know you are officially you are officially juicing and doing the quarter mile dash i don't, or whatever it's called. I don't quite have the heard right it here body, first body type Fantastic. for it but if i did i totally would that's yeah. what the steroids bike, are for bike chat that's enough bike chat all right em, get out of here <laughs> okay thank you all right thank you goodbye and we are back with the second half of today's preview episode and joining us I think it might have been the first ever guest on the show, the, the favorite son of the podcast, the people's champion, the slow your brain champion, Harry Ramage. Hello. Good evening. It is Super Bowl Eve. It really is. The Super Bowl will Raiders probably be playing on. when everyone listens to this. Who would listen yes. to this while they're watching the Super Bowl? Well, or after. <laughs> That's probably <happens>. after. <laughs> As Newcastle were in the comp in 1908, Harry has been part of this show since the beginning, pretty That's much. That's true. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen someone go through more of a transformation than H did last year when on the night's preview show, he tipped them to come last. And then I was certain they were coming last by the time the finals came around the day of the game against the Raiders. He sent me a video screaming lyrics to welcome to the jungle. Mm, I also Harry, that video. Harry, talk us through that journey. <laughs> okay. So 2023 for me, it was a very strange season because I dead set thought we were going to finish last and O'Brien was going to get sacked and we're just going to be back to square one again. And, you know, we're just in a shambles of a position. Like we are where the Tigers now. It's like you're just finding to cling on to cling on to hope. But then they started playing. And even when they were very up and down in that first half of the season, I thought, oh, there's something here. Like, they're not that bad. And then they were 14th going into that Bulldogs game. They're 5, 9, and 1. And then they put 66 on them. And it's like the pressure valve came off and they, like, reminded themselves. It's like, yeah, we're actually decent. Like, why don't we just start playing like we're a good football team and, like, stop the bullshit? And it was the Panthers game the week before. Ponga said after the game, he's like, I'm just sick of losing. I'm just sick of losing. And then he just played like a guy who was genuinely sick of losing. In that first half of the year, they lost four games due to goal kicking. Well, lost three games to goal kicking and then goal kicking in the draw against Manly cost them. So they lost seven points. And you think, shit, they should have been top four when you think about it. Like it was just the strangest season. And they went, they became this attacking juggernaut in the back half of the year. Um, and then kind of didn't live up to expectations in the finals. It was just, it was the most roller coaster season. It was the most fun I've had watching footy, like cheering them on every week. It was just, man, I was not, I was just so entertained every week. Like there was just some breathtaking tries, just 
unreal energy in the crowds. It, it just felt like, holy shit, like this is just, you know, they felt reinvigorated and they felt like they were back for the first time in the post Johns years. I, I, I like that you've hit on the energy of the crowd in those, in those home games, because to me, when the Knights sort of started going on that run and they started packing everyone into Marathon Stadium again, it, it did sort of have an energy to it that I don't think the Knights have had in a really long time. You know, they've made the finals a couple of times in the last four or five years. Um, they went back to back in the finals under O'Brien because of circumstances, like it was COVID one year, the second year the comp was in Queensland. They We didn't really sort of get that full Newcastle experience. And no. part of the good thing of when the Knights play well is you do get that Newcastle experience. Like they love footy up there. Like other people only think they love footy, you know, and one of my favorite quotes of the entire season last year was when Kalen Ponga said he was sick of letting people down and he started and he wanted to start making people proud. I don't think he'd really let anyone down. Like I'm not like he didn't let everyone down by getting a bunch of concussions. It was just a bunch of bad luck, but I agree with you, agent that his sort of uh, the, the switch that he sort of flicked, he did look like someone who was sick of losing. He was looked like someone who, really, really wanted to, to to leave a mark on the competition, which his talent has always promised he would be able to do, you know? So, and I've gone for teams like this Knights team last year who were shit for three quarters of the season and then just suddenly turned into like a point scoring machine. Like the Raiders did it in 2008 and 2010 and 2012. And it's absolutely exhilarating going into a game thinking three weeks ago, we were 14th, but now we could win this game 58, 56. If we had to, it's like, mm. it's what I imagine crack feels like, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, people will say, Oh, you know what? Well, the Raiders were the queen being blues by the time of that, but how many teams have won a semi final with 41% of the ball? Hey, I can't, like, I can't, I, no, like the, mate, I can't let you recast the Knights as underdogs in that one. I can't no, do I'm it. Not saying, I'm not saying underdogs, but I just think it shows, I just think that shows. I was so confident the Knights were going to win that game and they got. Yeah, of course got, we all were, yeah. we all were. Yeah, well, but, yeah, I mean, sometimes when an early try happens, you, it gets a bit too easy and you take your foot off the gas. But yeah, just that raw stat alone of if you've only got 41% of the ball in the final, in a final, like you just shouldn't be anywhere near the game, but then you just look at how mm. once they got a chance and had a bit of a sniff, just how easy the points came for them. And that's sort of what worries me a little bit for this year is they're going to rely on that a little bit too much. I'd like to see them just become a little more methodical, a little more, yeah, like our defence, the defence has to get a lot better because as fun as scoring a shitload of points is, we saw from the big dogs at the business end that you got to be able to defend, and mm. there's just wasn't up to scratch. I'm glad when you, the big games you can't you can't I'm, just run you can't just play you can't just I'm, do the run and shoot. You know I'm that glad works. You in, on that that works in college, not in the pros. Because yeah. like you look back at that run they had at the end of the year, and it was the bull, like the storm wind was fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. in amongst that, it, it, it's two cricket scores against the bulldogs. And you beat the West Tigers, who I don't think won another game at that uh, at that season. After that point, the, a, a Dolphins team running on fumes, a South team that had completely gone off the rails, uh, very a good win over the Sharks, admittedly. And then, yeah, you get into the finals and and barely squeak by a Raiders team that I was just supremely confident that you would take care of business in. And then I tipped you to win the following week against the Warriors, and and they and they got the doors blown off them. So 
whilst that run to make the finals was really impressive and I, I was I was riding it with you. I was so happy for you. Just I've known you for so long and for most of the time I've known you, the Knights have been a bit of a basket case and you've not really had the opportunity to enjoy the, the, these big runs to the finals like I have and like Campo has. But yeah, I am kind of mindful of the fact that a lot of that success did come as a result of like not just how they play, but also who they played. And oh, it is yeah, difficult they, to yeah, read. Good re- run, no doubt about and it. That. And it's difficult to rely on, as you just said, just rely on them being able to score a thousand points a week. And I agree with you. I think that if they are to really establish themselves this year as 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 a more, you know, a, a, as like a, a legitimate bona fide contender, then it's it's the other side of the ball that needs more work. Yeah, and now that there is expectation, that's what scares the shit out of me too, is the Knights, apart from having an immortal at halfback, have just never, ever lived up to any kind of expectation. Like, to be fair, there hasn't been that much expectation outside of those years. But now there's a real sense of expectations from the fans in that town, seeing what they've done. Yeah, losing Dom Young sucks, but at the end of the day, like how detrimental can be like you know how detrimental can losing a winger be i mean time will tell um but yeah like there's expectation now and the one thing that the knights just don't do is put two good seasons back to back to back and i'm just really worried that those old demons will just come and haunt them Uh, it, it just it is really frightening me you know there's the yeah the defensive issues that they still had that would be the biggest concern of why they're not going to, you know, take the next step because a lot, like there will be people who tip them in their top four, but I I won't be one of them. I I think that I'll think they'll be five to eight again. And, and I'll say probably seventh. I actually do think they might regress a little bit. I think you've both hit on an interesting point there. Like, those Raiders teams that I talked about that caught fire and scored a shitload of points in the last six weeks of the season, eight, 10 and 12 every year, they didn't back up and make the finals the following season for a team, for a team that sort of does like sort of strike lightning for, for the, the, the latter third or latter quarter, the last quarter of a season, it can be a really hard thing to then back up and replicate. And I agree with you, H like the Knights have traditionally really struggled with expectations. I think of the, the Tinkler years, for example, I know there was a lot of oh, stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on off the field at that point, but it was it's still it's still not a traditionally uh, uh, an a uh, it's not really an area of strength for the Knights matching those expectations. You said yeah. it yourself, H, that that Canterbury win, that 66 0 one, that sort of kick started the whole thing. That came when the pressure was totally off them. They were in 14th spot. No one thought anything was going to happen. And they were sort of freed from that for the first time. And the win over Canberra, the reason that they got themselves into a bad position, the reason they nearly blew it is because they couldn't handle the expectation. You know, yeah, they, they, got, they, they got tight. The occasion got to them a little bit. So I don't know. It's it's just a lot for it's a lot for this team to deal with. Harry, you mentioned that you want them to play more methodically. A big part of that is who's going to play halfback. Jackson Hastings was there last year. Jack Coggers joined from the Panthers. We all know what he was able to do in the grand final. Who do you want to win that halfback battle? And who do you think will get first crack? Well, I think Hastings will get first crack, but I think what's going to end up happening happening is that I think Coggers will end up playing six. I, 
I just get the feeling that Tyson Gamble was this sugar hit that, you know, those guys who just come in and can just invigorate a, they play with such great energy, a little bit like a Josh Reynolds, like in, in his heyday where, you know, they just play on raw passion and getting in the opponent's face. But how sustainable is it, like, for them to be consistent week in, week out first graders? Like, I guess we'll see if Tyson Gamble does have a little bit more to him than that. Like, that's going to be the interesting part. But my prediction would be that Cogger actually plays six. By the, he's he's their first choice 5-8 by the end of the year. I just found that a very interesting signing when it happened that it looked as though, yeah, we've got a, you know, a reasonably established halfback. Yes, you know, we, we've struck lightning with finding Tyson Gamble, who's been really good, and then all of a sudden Jack Collier's coming. And my thinking was, well, the club must think that he is the he is just a sugar hit. They don't know how sustainable he is long term. And I guess having a player like Cogger is a good headache to have if indeed he's just a sugar hit. So I I I think Gamble will make his way out. I think both Hastings and Cogger will be in the side. I think you've mischaracterized Gamble a little bit there because even though he does have that attack dog stuff in him, like you know memorably flexing like he's just won the heavyweight title when he like gets a penalty or something like that or telling Willie Mason to get fucked in post-match. You know what I mean? Like he does have that sort of stuff in him, but I think he's, I think as a player, he's actually a lot smarter and a lot more composed than, than that reputation sort of belies. I had to think that at the yeah, end Yeah. Yeah. He's, a, he's like, he's the goes. Yeah. He's throwing no look cut out or no look passes to Kalen Ponger in a semi-final and putting him away and putting, Dom Young in the yeah. score or picking up a loose ball, slowing down so that he can position Dom Young to go on a big runaway try and stuff like that. And then and he throws like some beautiful Harbour Bridge passes and stuff like that. And man, he dragged me in and going, maybe he's got a little bit more than this. Yeah. Dog mm-hmm. I, 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 I like, so I know, I know that, he's, he has, he does have the attack dog stuff. But I don't think he's a savage, man. I think he makes good, smart choices with the ball. He makes good, smart choices more often than he makes bad ones. I've never seen a player that gives off the veneer of like lunacy, but is actually quite a stable presence on the field. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's remarkable. There's no one really like him. Hastings is an interesting one. Um, I, I just think... As a whole, yeah, I think as a whole, it's going to be a really interesting storyline, like across the league. Like, how does that three fit into two? Because you've also got um, Phoenix, Crossland, and Jalen Braley in the hooking role as well. So you've got like you can't fit all those guys in the seventeen. Mm. You know, so it's just going to be a massive issue. I think Crossland vastly exceeded anyone's expectations last year, but you'd have to imagine with Braley fit again, he's going to get the first opportunity at that jersey. But well, again, I, I, I agree yeah. with you, man. Crossland, I thought, was one of the most improved players. Yeah, I, in the no one saw that if, coming, if right? Not, like, like him and Marcelo Montoya went And maybe, from, maybe Remy Marshall King as well. Oh, no, but he was good. He was good at Canterbury, mm. too. Just no one watches the Bulldogs. Were That's awful. a fair point. <laughs> anyway, but you're right. It's another tough decision they're going to have to make. Crossland was so good last year, but Braley's co captain of the club, you know, and has played well for them in the past when he's been fit and healthy. So it's a, it's just another big decision they've got to make. Just looping back to Hastings for a second. 
Um, he gave a really good interview with friend of the show, NRL Physio, on his podcast, The Magic Sponge, back in December. And he talked a lot about um, how bad his foot injury was last year. If you guys will remember that when he was at West, he got caught in a really awkward, bad tackle from Pat Garrigan, put him in the um, put him in the knee bar a little bit. It ripped the shit out of his foot and his ankle. Had to get plates and screws inserted and all that sort of deal. And it gave him trouble all of last season. It was a big reason his kicking game wasn't as effective as it has been in the past. It's a big reason his goal kicking was so poor. He was talking about how there were games where he couldn't really feel his foot to kick the ball. So there's a chance, I think, that Hastings gets a little bit better. I think Cogger is extremely competent and composed and probably knows how to run an attack really, really well after getting that time in at Penrith. I, I, I don't know if there's a if there's a, a, a wrong answer in trying to figure out what they're going to do in the halves, but some answers are going to be more right than others. And I think with a couple of the losses that they've had, like losing Dom Young, for example, they are going to need their attack to be a little bit more composed, a little bit more methodical. Yeah, a you little just bit... can't throw it to him and he run around someone. Exactly. A little bit less run, run, Dom, run, you know, like that sort of deal. Dom Young, so how's this? I watched all the tries. I watched all the tries he scored last season when I was getting ready for this. First of all, it's a great way to spend 10 minutes. Treat yourself. Mm. Go do it. He scored 25 tries last year. 16 of them, he either beat a defender to do it or 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 ran the ball in from 20 meters out or further. So it was this was not catch and fall shit. This was like electrifying stuff. It was it's a, a, it's it's a, a really – it's a really, really big loss because there's. Just I was not a... disgusted when the Roosters signed him, and just every day the thought of him playing in the end of that back line and scoring 500 tries this year. I know is, is, is terrifying. I know, but so they're not just losing a competent catch and fall, good finishing winger; mm. they're losing one of the most striking attacking weapons in the entire yeah. competition, and they're replacing him probably with Tom Jenkins or Anari Tsuwala, who I think are both capable finishers certainly, but they're not going to be explosive like Dom Young was. No. This it, this is. This is as big a loss as a winger can possibly be. I think it's a it's it leaves a big hole in their roster. It does, Camp. I would ask you, and I'm not sure at this stage of his career would they do it, but would they think about putting Gagai onto the right wing? I don't know, man. I've got some concerns about Gagai. I thought he had a pretty rough year last year. Um, this will be his thirteenth year in first grade. He's played a lot of footy, a lot of hard footy as well. like a lot of Queensland year, games, yeah. Yeah, like, the, like the sort of the sort of change that he made from when he went from, you know how there used to be Origin Gagai and Club Gagai, mm. and then very slowly, cl- like Club Gagai became more like Origin Gagai. You know that wasn't mm. that wasn't easy. You know that's what, he was he, Took he's, a lot he's of been, work, a lot of work. He's been copping a lot of knocks for a long time now. Given his age and the stages at his career, I don't know if he can physically handle the wing. You know, mm. so I don't know. Look, yeah, they've still got I, yeah, to try and yeah to try and cover that loss. I just wonder whether that had sort of wandered into their thinking of whether they might think about doing that. But yeah, the more I think about it, I'm like, no, nah, they can't do it. Like it's maybe three or four years ago they could have, but that's it's past that, isn't it? So it is a little bit. They're yeah. really. They're really banking a lot on Tom Jenkins, still unproven in first grade as well. So, yeah, that's, I mean, oh, wingers, they just hang out with footballers and stuff like that. But as, that's as <laughs> bad as a winger loss can be. I think, yeah, it really I think you both like, hit I mean, the nail on the head. Remember when Semi Rodrigo left Parramatta? They went from top four to wooden spoon. Wow. Like, I hope it's not like that, but 
Like, <laughs> Me too, H. There's Me a too. take. There's a take. <laughs> He's, he was such a breath of fresh air, such a fantastic presence for them last year. And every, for all the reasons you guys just touched on, it's not just the tries, it's it's everything. It's his presence. It's it's the excitement. There was also this just kind of Greg thing where... on the right. Mate, yeah, honestly, it's not not a terrible idea. He's, he's definitely your most dynamic backline player now. But like, there was this thing like, anytime the crowd at, up at Hunter Stadium got the, or Turton Road, should I say, Got got the sense that the ball was going to Young. There was kind of like this expected it's kind of like you, you yeah, know, like, like frenzy and, and there's man. there's and there's only, there's only, there's so few players that do it's kind of like there's there's so few players in the league. Like Broncos fans have that with Reese Walsh when he's fit. South fans have that with Latrell. Like so few players in the league where every time they get the ball, they're about to get the ball. People sit up because they're like something cool might happen. But Dom Young got to that level last year, yeah. and to lose a guy like that, and yeah, no shade on the guys who are going to be replacing him, but. Those guys don't grow on trees. They are few and far between. And it sucks for you and for the league, I think, that he's left the Knights. And for me personally, that he's gone to the Roosters. But yeah, I I don't get it. around in a Range Rover. Like, of course, you know. Not a Ford? Hmm. No. Interesting. Harry, Harry, how dare you suggest that they put Greg Marju on the right wing and break up the Muscle Brothers? Yeah, I want Brabin. Yeah. I want Brabin Best and Greg Marju to to have another season where they just prove that being bigger than everyone really is better. Yeah, that would be cool. I do Although, like. I do like. I do like that they're switching Tyson Frizzell to that left edge and adding even more strike to that side. It's Kalen Ponga's favorite side as well. You're you're, stre- you're strengthening a strength which well, yeah, makes it pretty I, strong. You know. We'll see that would indicate that Kai Pierce Paul is going to be starting on the right if he pulls up well from this foot injury, it will be either him or Dylan Lucas. So Dylan Lucas still a young guy finding his way as well. I mean, and Kai, Kai Pierce Paul has all the talent in the world and you just wonder whether the cream will rise to the top. And if it does, that makes their right edge pretty dangerous as well because he has an abundance of skill. But like, what's Frizzell now? Frizzell's like 33. Like He's, he's, in, he's getting on a bit. Yeah. So... But I thought last year was his best was year fantastic. as a knight, and brilliant. his best year in first grade for for quite some time. I've I've been really critical of him in the past for but underperforming, you know like but I thought th- last year he got it together. You know what? Early in that second half in the finals game against Canberra, like not, not many people would have noticed this. So I think it was like the first set they had with the ball in the second half. They were kicking on the left side of the field, and it was just a midfield bomb kind of thing. But he actually came from his right edge position. And knowing that the kick's going to be on the left, he actually went and changed sides of the fields to go and put a big kick chase on and got um, Rapana straight away, like hitting ball and all as soon as he caught it and like the look he gave the rest of his teammates. So he's still got that follow me element into him mm. as well. So, yeah, I thought he was fantastic last year. I mean, he virtually just becomes a straight swap for Fitzgibbon. Um, he, his game's a little bit different than Fitzgibbon. Fitzgibbon, you know, has had a really, you know, like an offload where it's like turn turn into the defensive line and and pop kind of thing, whereas Frizzell is probably more of a traditional second phase back rower where he can have a bloke up top and pop the ball out, which he was still really good at last year. So it would be mm. interesting to see what shapes they run on that left side. And whether they change the playbook much with two different styles of back rolls going in there, but um, yeah, that, I'm I'm super pumped to see that. Like that could be a lot of fun. You talked about Kai Pierce Paul earlier. 
him and Will Price, two young English fellas that the Knights have brought over from Super League. Kai Pierce Paul has played a little bit for England. He's uh, come over from Wigan. Will Price has come over from Huddersfield. He hasn't played for England yet, but he's count- he was counted as one of the best young players in Super League. I'm 100% on, in on Kai Pierce Paul. I think even if it, it might take him a little time, but I've no doubt he's going to be a success down here. He's like a long, rangy back rower. He's all knees and elbows and uh, moves across the field really well for a guy that size. Good offload, a good good hole runner. Price, I haven't seen as much of. Maybe he can be someone that they can slot in on the wing. I think he's better known as a fullback or a 5'8". But well, that'll be the thing. I, I don't know where they're going. Maybe that can be the spot. But, hey, like, what he's going to have to wait for a chance. Will Price, I think. But Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, like, I'm, what are you expecting from those well, two? That's, that's so, what yeah, I'm, Very that's exciting what stuff, I'm, but what do you think I'm we're going to get? Expecting, I think, Will, yeah, Will Price is... I think Will Price will have to wait. I I just think they're going to go, okay, Jenkins, you've played NRL, albeit in the great Panthers side. We're going to give you the first crack. I think that's what will happen. Um, but he absolutely will be putting his hand up to fill in like a right wing spot, even a right centre spot. Like, Gagai, you know, 13, 14 years into the league, might get injured. Like, you know, like that might happen. I think he's probably going to be a centre wing option on that side. And then... I really, really just hope that Pierce Paul can can fit the bill of what he, what his talents kind of can be. Because if he does, all of a sudden the Knights have got one of the most damaging young back rowers in the competition. It's going to take six or eight weeks though, because he did come with that foot injury. Mm. I don't think he's going to do like I don't know if you remember Gareth Ellis's debut campo where he was just immediately you went, oh, that's one of the best back rowers in the comp, no questions asked. It's not going to be that instant. I think it's six or eight weeks getting used to the getting used to the speed of the game, the physicality. But I think when he does, I think look out, like there's a there's a wrecking ball there. Because he's just such a unique build. Like he's 196 centimeters tall or something like that. Like he's yeah, he's very long limbed, very unusual shape to tackle. So I think that's going to create a lot of headaches for the for the opposition. Another um, weapon as well with the side, you know those side, sorry, those yeah. sort of like mid range kicks where they they kick in towards that corridor between the center and the back row. That this height's going to be a massive advantage there as oh, well. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, like that's just yeah another string to the bow, like mm. that he has. That I mean, not right. everyone else has on the field. Like yeah, I, I, athle- I, athletically, there isn't many guys. That no, not at all. And, and look, you can teach a lot of things. You can't teach being a lanky. 195 centimeter man so you're there is tall, that. not that's true don't i know it and yeah like i i will say that apart from dom young i wasn't really blown away by any of their losses it's a shame that we're not going to see new brown in the nrl anymore just purely because every time i see him i was just reminded of the microwave story and it made me chuckle <laughs> but apart from that like I thought Lockie fits probably still a little bit to offer the nrl but other than that i don't think you've lost a whole lot of guys that you're filthy about keeping and and with with those two English guys you brought in, and Jack Cogger, who's just coming off playing a really good second half in that grand final, you've got some you've got some nice pieces to build around. H. So, um, is is there anybody aside from that? Because those English guys are coming in with some wraps on them. Are there any young players that are coming through the ranks that jump out at you as a guy that could make a positive impact this year? I'm not sure it will be at Newcastle, but about halfway through last season, a fellow by the name of David Armstrong came into their reserve grade side and looked a million bucks. 
Um, there is a little bit of talk that he was going to get released to go straight over the Super League, but oh. there might be another NRL club who might be able to offer him an opportunity um, if it doesn't come at Newcastle. I think for the wider NRL, I think he might be one that pops up somewhere um, just because I can't see... Like, he'll have to jump ahead of a lot of blokes at Newcastle to get his crack, um, well, which, I mean, yeah, like, that's just another one that everyone will shit can as for, for losing. Uh, but, I mean, like you said, as you look through the squad, it's very, very settled apart from Dong. Like, it's very much roll out the same side from last year with a, yeah. with a new name or a face here or there. I really think um, he's only on a development contract, so... What's the rule? Round 11 before they can play. But Fletcher Sharp is a young forward who they've got a lot of uh, a lot of, a lot lot of of hope for. So, I mean, he is on the development squad, so maybe not going to see him this year, but might be next year. But, I mean, hey, 10 blokes could get injured and all of a sudden by round 11, they're trying to get an exemption to get him in by, you know, round nine. Like you it's just strong, don't know. It's a strong secret agent name, Fletcher Sharp. It's good. David, like David, Ar- David Armstrong. Mungandai Grasshoppers Jr. Great team, oh, Is he from Mungandai? He's from Mungandai, yeah. Oh. And joined the Knights after a stint with the Gundawindi Boars. Yeah. Two well good, That's two what good you call. Towns that's what you call fucking bloodlines, baby. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that is uh, two you, good border towns. Young guy at the Knights that I am really keen to see is uh, his name's Miles Martin. He's, yes, um, you've mentioned him. Yeah, he's a, Bath- yeah. he's a Bathurst junior. A lock forward, very much in the Adam Elliott mold. So, like a good, a good passer leads the line well defensively. Like a a, a a good rangy thing, good ball skills. I I'm 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 quite a fan. He's a, had some pretty big reps on me in, in the juniors. He's played um, uh, junior reps for New South Wales. He captained the Knights SG ball side when they won the grand final. I think it was last year. Maybe can't remember. But yeah, I'm a big, big fan. He's the sort of guy who I think will end up being effective over long minutes. So we might only see a glimpse of him this year off the bench here or there, but I think he'll end up being a productive long-term first grader for the Knights. Well, if you you say it, it has to be true. That's right, H. (laughs) Never forget it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. With with just what I, we, we briefly talked about earlier with just kind of like how everything really fell into place for Newcastle in the back end of the season and the loss of Dom Young, I, I think there'll be a big cluster of teams between like fifth and, and, and 12th, but I've already swung with the fences with my, the Dolphins are going to finish eighth pick. So i got the Knights finishing ninth, Harry. I'm really sorry. No, the, uh, you know what? I don't think that's an insane pick. Thank you. Uh, just because of the whole lightning in a bottle theory. Like it's really hard to back it up and go, oh yeah, no, now we're, no, we're actually like, really like a top four contender now, like just consistently like that generally hasn't been what's happened. Yeah, I yeah. think there is a regression coming. I, I think they're, I think they're probably seventh. Though. Mm. Um, yeah. Cause it's, I mean, you, you look at the bottom half of the competition, what are the Tigers yeah. and the Bulldogs all of a sudden going to be stealing a heap of wins off people? Like, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, I, I think they're a regression and yeah, I, I don't think they improve that much. I will say, like, of all the t- when I was doing my ladder, I think they're the team that, like, I think has the widest scope. I think there is a world where they, like, Ponga has a Dal- like a, a career year, wins the Dally M, and the Knights finish in the top four. These new signings work out. Everything's hunky-dory. But then there's, I think there's a year where, I think there's also a possibility where, you know, Ponga gets hurt or doesn't play particularly well. 
nothing really clicks and they end up out of the eight. I, I just, and, and, and everything in between, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Newcastle do this year. I think there's a huge range of outcomes for them. Yeah, I, I agree. I tend to agree. Uh, we haven't talked as much about Ponga as we probably should have like best player on the team. Mate, obviously the... job to do that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Obviously, supercharges the entire side. As long as he's in the team, they're probably going to be able to score points. As long as he's in the team, whoever's on that left side will get a lot of good ball and have the chance to score a lot of tries. But I think it's reasonable to have a concern about his durability. Um, Last year was the first season since 2019 where he played more than 20 games. I'm expecting him to back up his Daly M season with another really good year. But if he was to be hampered for even just a little bit, all of a sudden everything kind of falls apart for the Knights. It wouldn't surprise me if they make the the top eight. Like if they sort of get to that level that you're talking about, H, that bottom half of the eight, I think that's that's a realistic goal for them. Um, I'm not expecting them to improve and push into the top four and push for the title or anything. I've got him in 10th but not because I don't like them. There's just other teams who I like a little bit more. Like, again, wouldn't be surprised if they make the finals. Mm. No, I think that's fair enough. Um, yeah, just, yeah, it just goes back to the expectation factor for me. Like, it's just yeah, getting this two years in a row. Like, <laughs> just hasn't happened. I hope um, I'm wrong, by the way. I like you. I like the Knights. I love it when the, the stadium's full, screaming jets are pumping as the boys run out. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they have a fantastic year. But yeah. Well, what I was going to ask, the okay, so Bradman Best, like it, it sounds like an extension has, mm. you know, has all but been He's done. awesome. Keep him forever. He's sick. Okay. Yep. That's it. it. That, that, does right. that answer your question? <laughs> the dollar value, it sounds like about seven fifty a season. Is that? Sure. I Money's mean, not real, Harry. Bradman Best is. Well, it's not so, me paying. It's not me. No, it's not me paying him. I, I was just interested to get your guys. No, thought, I, I, I like, think that he not only is he a cracking player, dude. I honestly don't know because like there's some crap players getting that much money, and then there's like some really good players who are getting that much money. So like, I, I really don't know. He's worth as he's worth as much as anyone's willing to pay him. For me, the side cup is constantly changing. You can always work around stuff unless you're south of that and Reynolds for some inexplicable reason. You can always work stuff out and. That dude's awesome, and the fans love him, and his teammates love him, and he's sick at footy, and yeah, I love watching him. I hope he stays in the Knights forever. Yeah, look, there's only a few centers in the league that are worth that sort of money, but the difference between them and the rest of the centers in the competition is really, mm. really apparent. Centers a position you can cheap out on sometimes, but if you've yeah, got well, a... I mean, if, we saw Chase Blair playing a grand final. Exactly, so. but if you if you can get a Ferrari out there, fuck, it makes a difference. Yeah, you know, time. Yeah, so, um, and yeah, I'm staunchly pro Bradman best always. He's named, his name's Bradman dog. Come on. Yeah, what are we doing great. here? Give him $99.9400,000 per year. I think, I think they totally should do that. Yeah. It's what, it's what the dog. $999,400 a season. Yeah. Pay, pay the man. Um, Harry, you get two slots on the team of the pod roulette wheel as your team also made the finals last year. Congratulations again. Oh, well, all right. I have just got to, okay. The numbers. All right. I sorry. Great radio. This all good. Okay. So numbers. Well, I want number four because Bradman Best wears number four. I like it. You get one more. Okay, Campo. Yeah. You can tell me this one. What jersey number did Troy Fletcher wear in the ninety-seven? Was it jersey fifteen? Oh, fuck! I caught like five seconds of that on TV today, and it was when. 
Troy Fletcher was making that bust in the lead up to the second O'Davis try. But I can't remember off the top of my head, H. Sorry. It, he was wearing 15. 15. 15? Okay, I'll All have right. 15 for Troy 15. Fletcher. Shout nice. out Troy Fletcher. All right. Harry, anything anything to promote? Mate, I have nothing to promote these days. Anyone's pest control needs met, they uh, give Just Harry a DM call. DM me. Yeah. Yep. Did um, my, my brother had some pests in the house. Harry went and sorted it out. Exterminated them, as it were. It's what he does. It's what he does. There you do it. But I tell you who are not pests. That is our beloved patrons, especially those in the top two tiers. If you want to support us, patreon.com forward slash Edinburgh Rookies, you get an extra show every week. Access to a Discord server, entry into the Train Cup, which is coming up soon, the best tipping competition in the world, merch discounts, and plenty more. So thank you to Chris Avnell, Dave, Go Woke, Go Captain Australia, Michael, do you believe the earth is flat? I don't know, eh? Yeah, I believe it is. Murray, Rocky and Rafi Stew. And if you don't expect too much from me, you might not be let down. Ashley and Martin, Broncos legend Adam Reynolds, Bruce the Bomb, built like a steakhouse, handles like a bistro, Butsy, Chivak, Snuffleupagus, Depez Poopsy, Old Miss, Dan Cullinane, Dan, Dan, Danny Levi's biggest hater, David, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, future Clive Churchill medalist, Keon Colomatangi. I can't yell because Zoom cuts my microphone out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rodrigo Eduardo. I was saying Boo Ernst, Jason Joe, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, kicks us out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, Luke Charles Smidmore, Mads Taylor's version, Matthew Duggan, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Nick Canton, and rugby union is my favorite type of rugby. My ding ding dong is hard and I'm sad, never trendy. Nick Kotrick lives on my street. I'm subliminally coaching him to run it straight. Paul Max 78, <laughs> Reese Brown. Oh, plot twist, that wasn't Rodrigo Eduardo because he's still here. Rodrigo Eduardo, Zoom, Roxanne Park, <laughs> Sea Eagles legend, Adam Woods. <laughs> See you in this Vegas. Dunce the Black Vegetable Thor. Tom Hardy was. We now have a chance to have a and every listeners. All listeners, please send five euros Australian dollars to at theme at twitter.com. And Westside Podcast, Wake the Tigers are back, baby. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lowest and to everyone who's listens. Thank you as well. I can't believe that wasn't Rodrigo Eduardo. No, this, this, is, this is how you know the season's upon us because people, people are. Getting... Had... People are doing weird names in. You know the, what, Harry? I take it back. Exterminate several of them. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're absolute menaces. Great stuff. Great oh, stuff. Fantastic. All right, we will be back later in the. Oh, Harry! Before we go, uh, the big game is obviously tomorrow. Who's going to win the Bourbon Bowl? Kansas City. Yep. Uh, okay, I'm gonna, I'll take 49ers, Camper. Um, I am going to go Duff Light because they wanted it more. Yeah, they're both excellent teams. All right. Say goodbye, Harry. Goodbye, Harry. Say goodbye, Camper. Goodbye, Bertrand. That's goodbye from me.